0: now it's a matter of us pulling it all together to like the whole joint and, and putting on what i think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport
1: yeah we'll be honest with ourselves next week as usual and say okay it's a stonking result but what could we have done better
0: finding that
2: passion for racing again you know stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because i love racing cars and i love competing and that's really what's changed this year
1: hi everyone welcome to inside supercars shane van gisbergen from the red bull holden racing team here
3: Welcome to Inside Supercars, it's Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel as we get ready for a week leading up into the big hot one for the week, and that is Darwin. Lots of uh, things happening around the pre-Darwin. I suppose the biggest news was the shooting last.
4: That upset a few people uh,
3: pre-Darwin, not the sort of city where those sort of things normally happen.
4: No, it's been a shaky start. So all the uh, Darwinians would be happy to see the circus come to town and take their mind off uh, some very crazy yeah. other events.
3: I noticed that uh, Simona is uh, trying to sort out a new contract. This is the end of her uh, three years in supercars. Obviously, it'll be whether uh, the Harvey Normans decide to go on. Katie P- Price uh, decides that uh, this is the sort of thing that they want to continue Have you got any feelings either way as to what Harvey Norman uh, feel about supercars at all, Creek?
4: Well, they've been putting their money in it, and if you read what they put out to the public through their commercial arm, then they're fairly well committed to it. They they also made a commitment to the um, first year of the uh, the Supercar E series, um, which that one has some links into retail because if uh you want people buying gaming modules and gaming things then that's also good for business and you're more likely to buy a um you you think you'd see fans more likely to buy those products and relate them directly to uh going to harvey norman than perhaps uh perhaps buying a supercar Um, obviously for fridges and freezers and couches and everything else that Harvey Norman, it's brand recognition, which is you know more than me about advertising and why you do it. But uh, yeah, certainly their business model has found a way of justifying the money. Uh, having Simona there obviously gives it uh, a bit of cachet, and we'll see how it all round, rounds out. I, I think the bigger question is does Simona want to stay? If her racing career, which has predominantly been in America and Europe, stays in Australia, her links back to her contacts in Europe get frayed and severed. Um, And what does that mean for her long-term? If Australia's her long-term career, then she's staying. But if she still has desires to do things in Europe, I think we're too far away. The The world's getting smaller all the time, as they say, but... There's nothing like being face-to-face with people on a regular basis, and it's very hard to do that from Australia.
3: Interestingly, I haven't seen uh, the use of Simona within Harvey Normans, either in point-of-sale or television or anything like that, so that'll be interesting. Um, What has been happening down at Kelly Racing? Of course, they've been busy this last weekend where they run four cars in the TCR, uh, Andre being one of the ones who doubles up across the two series, supercars and TCR, while uh, Todd's also busy running uh, that series. But they have done a rejig on the uh, engineering side for Simona and Gary Jacobson. There's been a swapsie. So Giovanni Colombo has moved across to look after Simona, and Chris Stuckey uh, has gone from... Uh, Uh, Simona to now Gary Jacobson so that's uh, just moving things around a bit hopefully it'll uh, result in some changes maybe uh, some things you could reflect on
4: yeah well Nick Ryan is a huge Carlton fan and he's obviously seen how you change the coach and you change the fortunes and uh, perhaps that's what some of these moves are for. I'm sure I'll get lambasted for saying that now, but uh, amazing how when you change the coach, things look better. Just uh, look at North and and Carlton. Any any way I can get a Carlton reference in these days on a positive note, I'll uh, I'll take. Going up to Darwin, though, uh, Tony, and we've always seen interesting different tricks, particularly with Kelly's and road trips, but uh, it's getting reported quite widely that uh, they're thinking that maybe we leave a little bit earlier and uh, go and do the fink as well. Um, Of course, that's just concluded this weekend over the Queen's birthday long weekend, and uh, an interesting diversion, but of course the Kelly's, uh, Todd and Rick, have always been known to be into um, speed as a whole, not just into supercars um, uh, singly. So yeah. well, it would be interested yep. to see how it goes. Whilst we're talking about Kelly's, of course, Rick Kelly got his, well, what I think is his last pole position at Darwin last year. So he was coming off a, a hot win at Winton. He backed it up with a pole position at Darwin and the, the Nissan cars are steadily improving uh, I, I think they took a big hit data and information wise dropping or losing Michael Caruso but it'll be interesting to see how that can pan out. Scott McLaughlin won the Saturday race last year David Reynolds won the Sunday race last year can we see yeah. Scott McLaughlin dominating and continuing his domination or our guests this week, David Reynolds and Alastair McVean. Tony, can they do something to uh, turn the fortunes for the Holden fans?
3: Well, Erebus has certainly been on the rise with uh, Anton uh, giving his team made a good old shove along most of the time. Um, you'd have to think so, but one area that uh, uh, DJ Team Penske has long had a tradition of um, and continuing this year as well is the strong engines, and that obviously is a track with that kilometre-long straight that uh, loves that. Um, Tickford, on the other hand, they've been uh, desperately trying to put in place some more uh, engine development. Um, so you know that that should be interesting to certainly see uh, how they break out. Um, it seems there's fairly much status quo across most of the other Holden teams. Uh, Walkinshaw's uh, with Roger Higgins and Innovate doing. Those engines, um, certainly KRE, with the engines being done for both the the Triple uh, Eight as well as BJR, and um, even the single car team of Matt Stones with the uh, young uh, Todd Hazelwood, they've uh, shown plenty of speed. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops up at uh, Darwin, and of course then they've got the back-to-back a uh, fortnight later at Townsville, um, and usually those two tracks. Uh, seem to echo the same sort of thing. Walkinshaws have traditionally gone very well in Townsville, but, uh, gee, they're going to have to lift their game. They've been
4: showing some pretty awful form, as they did at Winton. Mm. Now, it's interesting you mentioned Roger um, Higgins, because uh, we do hear from Roger Higgins, not about supercars, because we're going to have a little bit of a diversion today uh, in the final segment of the show and find out a little bit more about S5000.
3: Yes, indeed, and, of course, the 5000 will be having its maiden uh, Breakout uh, run, they've been Having plenty of testing here and there and everywhere With Tim Macro driving it um, Because at Sandown uh, For the 500 back In uh, November I believe Or maybe it's September The 5000 will uh, make It's uh, real debut And uh, it's interesting to talk to uh, Tim Macro who's driven this uh, The latest car, the current Model, the new one that'll be uh, uh, Being built by Gary Rogers. Um, Tim talks before he goes out on the track and then afterwards and giving his summation of the developments they've put in with new brakes, new wheels, new tyres. Um, the car looks fantastic. It really does and sounded and, sound and uh, is certainly the deal. But um, to start off the show on this week, we'll, uh, after the break, we'll be having Alison McVean, who is the engineer on Car 9 with Dave Reynolds, discussing their relationship up to and including 2019.
5: for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. there actually needs to be a structure... Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio... Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Fenske, and you're on Inside
3: Supercars. Uh, welcome that- to Inside Supercars. I'm with uh, Craig Revel, Tony Whitlock, and we're with Dave Reynolds and Alice McVean post-Race 14. Another uh, exciting weekend in Winton, but you have uh, both uh, don't look that damaged from it. Uh, another fourth place, which you've had a number of those this year, David. You have a need.
7: He's uh, the stats man. Third, <laughs> fourth or so. Could be a couple more podiums there. Yeah, there
3: are. There are some podiums
7: there. Got one this weekend. That's a much better job than we did last year. Last year, this this round last year was like Depression City. Like Everyone was looking for razor blades after the end of the weekend, but... Everyone's walking around a bit more happier this year. Yeah,
3: they're all wrapped up, the razor blades. They're in another place. Um, but the good thing was that you showed both days, you've showed good pace. Um You've, got, you've had a podium yesterday, even though you got a penalty, um, and still recovered from that. Um, you're happy with the way the car's going at Alistair?
6: Oh, absolutely, compared to last year's, a massive improvement. Um, there's just a couple of cars that are obviously... Well, a step ahead, but we we're able to compete with everyone else, and I think we made a step forward this weekend. We've made a few steps forward the last few rounds, and understanding the car without twin springs. And
3: you had a good test day.
6: Yeah, very good test day. Um, car 99 in particular, they found quite a few really valuable things, and we were able to bolt them in this weekend and make a gain ourselves. So. It means we... it's a genuine two-car
7: team.
3: Yeah, yeah, and and you were able to feel those things in your car.
7: Yeah, generally, if like if he finds pace and. They just can put the setup in and I'll just drive to the grip same same as what he does and we go fast and we benefit from it bothly. But um, yeah. He Anton, I thought actually he would have been faster than me than me this weekend, so but we ended up pretty much still on the same pace.
3: Okay, yeah, well he certainly got a penalty today, which, you know, there have been a few question marks over whether it should have been handed in the way it was, but there were five penalties handed out in that second race, so that's a fair number of that's more than we've had probably the rest of the year at the yeah, other races.
7: Oddly handed out a lot of penalties for little incidents and stuff, so I'm not sure what they're playing at, but hopefully it doesn't continue because it's not fun.
3: OK, do you have a strategy in place, or would you put in with Barry and Alistair sitting down to to the next time there's a driver's briefing or a team briefing that you'd be discussing them and the way in which they were handed out those penalties?
6: Uh, yeah, potentially. It's not it's really. not something we generally go over. We just try and spend our time making the car go faster. Sure,
4: but,
3: but when you know so yeah. quickly, fifteen seconds hand to you is,
7: you know. Well, like uh, the unfortunate thing with passing and it's so subjective. It's up to the discretion of other people, not our own, not our own um, understanding the rules. It's their understanding, not ours. So it's always going to be a bit different. But they did a good thing yesterday when I got a five second penalty. They didn't tell me till I was in pit lane. Yes, yes. So, which is probably clever, because I would have blown up and been. I you kind of actually
3: complimented off. in the press conference, Alistair, on his cleverness in not telling you. He's probably pretty smart. I think you said yeah.
7: in not telling you until you entered pit lane. I said he's not just an engineer with all the technical numbers. He's a
4: psychologist Absolutely, too.
7: Absolutely,
3: yes. <laughs> so that's <laughs> the one thing that
4: fascinates me about the job, is that how much is it people management and psychology, and how much is it, you know, pure what spanners do on nuts and bolts.
6: Uh, I'd be probably 70 30, I would have thought. Depends on your driver a little bit. This guy's pretty mentally strong most of the time, so you don't need to worry about controlling him too much. you
3: just got to make sure he eats
4: the spaghetti when he's told to. No, but it's the 70 30, 70 engineering, yeah. 30 um, psychological. Yeah. yeah, I would have thought so.
3: In your experience, what would be the time? And I'm not really going to name the driver, but has that been much either way of that?
6: Uh, some need more positive reinforcement than others. Yeah. Um, I guess it's their
7: internal belief makes a difference. talk
3: a lot on the radio, does he, Dave? No. Well, what
6: yeah. can
7: he help me with? Yeah. Well, I'm going flat out around there. <laughs> oh, my car's shit. Yeah, he's in pit lane. What is he going to do about it? Move your bars. I'm doing that anyway. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. There has light. been a few times where the driver's radioed in, it's raining, and the engineer has said, no, it's not. On, the, on our screen, it's not raining.
6: <laughs> I have done that before. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot better at going outside and just seeing if I get wet now. <laughs> I've seen you walking
4: outside to look at it too, yes indeed. But, uh, Dave, you I, I know you and James Small had quite a relationship. Yeah. It looks like you're getting a relationship at that level or higher with Elsa.
7: Yeah, we've got a pretty good relationship because me and James, obviously we were mates, we raced against each other for years, we were teammates. Um, we also fell out like brothers as well, but I probably respect Al a bit more than I do James, so the relationship a works a bit better. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. My, yeah. It was like he was my twin, but he's my older brother that I look up to. It's yeah. different.
4: Okay. How do you manage relationships with drivers, and more particularly, how have you worked this relationship with Dave?
6: Oh, it's been pretty easy, to be honest. He's, <laughs> it's not hard to get along with, so he generally doesn't throw his toys out of the pram. You don't have to sugarcoat anything with him. You just tell him how it is, and yeah. away you go. It's not. There's no... Um, treading lightly or...
3: The wonderful things that cements a relationship is you've actually had the very highs and the very lows at a place like Bathurst. Oh, we have had
7: some lows. Yes, but you've (laughs) had had some highs You've had some
3: very highs. And and that does bond a relationship, doesn't it? Because you've actually tasted what the success is and tasted what shit tastes like there. So that makes it a lot easier to understand each
6: other, doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, Bathurst is one of those places there's there's either ecstasy or agony. there's nothing in between. So yeah. <laughs> the last two years we've had both ends of the stick, but you've got to focus on the positives. We should have well, had the very real chance of winning two years in a row, and there's not many people that get that opportunity. And yeah. Especially these days. We missed one area, and we'll make sure that's all good this year. It's just...
3: The great thing was it was because car speed. That's what it was that got you there.
6: Yeah, like 2017, there might have been a little bit of luck involved, right tyre, right time, people going off, but last year it was to woe.
3: Sorry, I don't happen to subscribe to that luck thing. You get good fortune, certainly, but you make your own luck. OK, so don't, don't sugarcoat it by saying, oh, we've been lucky. Uh-uh. Is there,
4: like, obviously you're saying that you can go to Dave and say, this is on you, this is on us in the course of a season. Is there drivers where even if you knew it was the driver that was making the mistake, you could never go there because you'd just break them?
6: Well, you still need to try and tell them because otherwise they won't improve and learn. But you need to just go about it in a certain way to make sure you can very easily drop it off a cliff, the relationship, if you approach it the wrong way. So it's all about delivery.
4: Is there a place for the scream down, Park and Dennis Park and David Park and coach?
6: Uh, that, that's probably not really my area. I, I, I tend to go uh, a more uh, um, winding Way I guess you'd call it, yeah. You
4: leave Barry for the
6: sprays. Yeah, he's, he's better at that than I am. So.
3: You went a very <laughs> different route in uh, terms of your co-driver this weekend, uh, the additional driver practice on Friday, uh, Thursday, uh, whenever day. it was. Saturday, <laughs> yeah, um, in that uh, your two drivers, uh, your regular drivers, Luke Hilton and Will Brown, were not here, but you had a couple of young Super 3 drivers. Jordan Boys, I believe, was one of them, and Brock Feeney, the other one. Um, their feedback, I mean, they obviously were, you know, 16-year-old <laughs> and, you know, just jumping into this car. And it... Did they genuinely say things about the
6: handling? Were they able to give you things that...? To, to be honest, with the way that session was, it was started off half wet, short. started to dry for a bit, and then it rained again. They didn't give us a great deal then, but Jordan drove the car in an evaluation day early in the year and gave us some good feedback on what he was feeling. Drove really consistently and, and fast. Brock had a little drive last week at the test day, and I think he was a bit wowed by the experience. It's obviously a step up from what he's used to, but um, he's going to be a real talent one to watch out for. Yeah,
4: Yeah, okay. Have you mentored many drivers? (laughs) Mentored? Mentored, yes. You've had mentors yourself. um,
3: That's not what George uh, Pell used to do, by the way, okay? He mentored young kids. Yeah, yeah, that's a different thing. He shepherded them
7: into their nakedness.
3: No, (laughs) shh. That's a different thing. This is different to that. This is talking to them about their driving careers. I mean, you just came from where you were seeing an incredibly young driver, Jay Hanson, driving for Sonic. Oh, no. he, looked were. Years old, eh? <laughs> he looked 12 years
7: he old, eh? He looked 12 years old. He was so young. Yes, I think he was 15, but that was, yeah. was bullshit. Nuts. Yes,
3: indeed. Um, you know, the, you can obviously play a, role, play a role in helping somebody like that. Is that something that you'd look to do?
7: Oh, to be honest, I have no idea right now. I'm still trying to focus on myself and not yes. really worry about anyone else. I'm trying to live in the now right now. But yeah, you, as when you, when I was in Formula Ford, I used to look up to all these guys in, in um, supercars. So it's, quite, it's but they probably have the same sort of um, yeah expectation or you know um, slight awe. Yeah, I suppose yeah. they have probably got a bit of awe around us. But it's weird you don't you don't really notice that at all. I'm just a human trying to do my job and maximize what I got and make my team proud and whatnot. But Maybe one day that might be something I'll um, I'll enjoy, but for now I'm just worrying about Darwin, which is the next one.
3: I'm sure Alistair knows far more than Craig and I do that racing drivers are unique people. There are, you know, 25 or so. Maybe there'd be another 25 in the country who could do the job, but that don't, because the 25 who are there are mostly doing a very good job, because you you are unique people.
7: We are unique, and we're all wankers too, aren't (laughs) we?
3: (laughs) That's your word, your word, not mine, all right? I know full well I can't do that job. And I know it because of slow corners. Going around pl- someone like Simmons Plains, turn two at Simmons Plains, John Faulkner and Mark what Scaf- they drove me around there and I went, I can't do this. You know, the- I can do a fast corner, but not a slow one. And it's because that skill level to do that is something that we don't have.
7: I don't see it like that. I, I see it's a, almost a trained skill, like... <laughs> It's true. Like if if you got enough money and time and effort, you could you could end up in the in the big game trying to win races too. I like I'll look at some of the people winning races now when they were fat little kids wasting their old man's money doing super or DVS back then. Going, he'll get, never get anywhere and put, win every race these days. <laughs>
4: <laughs> now, uh, Alice, the same question to you. Did you have mentors mentoring you through your engineering, and are you able to start doing that now?
6: Uh, yeah, I, I did. I was lucky to be raised in the, the HRT school under Richard Holway. He was a, a really good mentor in the early days. He was willing to give you your head and allow you to grow and pull you back when you needed to, and he was uh, great in that respect. And I think you can see that a lot because there's a lot of ex-HRT people that have been trained under him that have gone on to bigger and better things. Um, for me personally, yeah, I, I try to. We've only got a small engineering group, so there's only a couple that I need to, to try and mentor. and um,
7: Three or four of you, there's not many
6: so I just yeah you try and pass on what you can Um,
4: is it something that people like people approach you to say I want to do that and I'm in a series now and get some ideas and bounce them off you uh, does that even happen
6: not not for me personally Um, no it's not a major thing for for where we're at at the moment we're obviously trying to build the Erebus Academy side of things which is mostly drivers at the moment but some point in time, that
7: might expand out to to, uh, to other things: mechanics and engineers. Because the, pro- the problem is Barry doesn't like hiring people, so <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of limited.
4: So the the, the the burnout rate, like a driver, has a long career for a number of different reasons. If they're good, the engineers though. they have a medium length career, really. But a mechanic, <laughs> he can be well. A, a mechanic can be burnt out in five years just because of the nature of this business, and if they're not. You know, If they're not able to travel and family pressures and that sort of thing, they're not around for very long, and that's a big investment that you guys have to put in just to train up one mechanic for five years of work. Yep.
6: Yeah, obviously, you know, Barry's put in place a lot of systems to try and manage you know, crew workload and how hard everyone has to work, particularly away from the racetrack. I think we manage it particularly well. We always get our loo days after the race meetings. We don't work long hours at the workshop make sure we're very efficient in what we do but it's it's a big issue for the category the, the burnout of personnel and people is is very high
3: your next run is at darwin so it's a totally different environment the track's very different and demands different things of driver and car what do you have to do for that you go back to the record book for last year and see what you had in the car you do your sit down from the car from this meeting um what else is what's the program now for the next few weeks getting ready
6: yeah, you'd basically we'll go back to the workshop, debrief everything we've learnt here. Um, we, that'll take a couple of days to cycle through all that, try and uh, understand any faults or issues we had here and get them get them fixed. Then we'll start looking ahead to Darwin and you know, check what we did last year, the last several years, and then uh, we'll try and put it together with what we've learned learning because we're just constantly evolving you know, what we rolled out last year because of the twin spring ban and everything won't work this year. So we'll just keep plugging away at trying to learn and understand everything that we've done.
4: So you're going to do effectively about 200 times more things than your driver will do between now and done.
7: Don't put the market at me. <laughs> <laughs> Depends yeah. what you classify as things.
6: Yeah, like he's, he's got dinners and lunches and, you uh, oh. know. The only thing he'll do more than me is sleep, probably. <laughs> probably. He's you probably does very well, though. Yeah, no, you, I'm yes. actually our sleeper. That's Are what you? lost his <laughs> bath is. <Bathurst>.
7: Oh. <laughs> oh, OK. All
3: right, well, um, it's a very different calendar this year. I mean going straight to Bathurst, I mean obviously you've got now confidence in the pair of co-drivers you've got, um, Luke obviously has done 15, 20, maybe 30 Bathurst, I don't know how many but yeah, oh, <laughs> I think so um, Much of the same elements though will roll out even though you won't do a sand down first um, there won't be much changing will there because you have such what you know a relatively young team but relatively good experience now
6: Yeah, well, we basically carried over exactly the same team bar one person um, and everyone's just growing and improving a lot of young guys just getting better and better team wise i think it's a bit overrated that the lack of having sand down before Bathurst you'll just make sure you do a few extra driver changes and we creatures
3: of just... habit we we don't like the change yeah. oh my god we're going, well, I'm going to sand down. this is wrong wrong you know but anyway yeah.
6: it, uh, hopefully Sandown will be a bit warmer when we go so that'll be good
4: what about like the winter weekend sitting around doing nothing all day friday effectively
6: well, it wasn't so much like that for us. We just came up on Friday, so from my point of view, it was really good because i got an extra day at home with the family. Um, I don't think the weekend lost too much from from the supercars aspect. I think, to be honest, it probably actually will throw the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit up and down the field, a little bit less time to to think about um, your car and what's going wrong with it. Um, Given
3: that we've now had back-to-back weekends, with, you know, two days here, night racing in Perth, um, and if that evolves, I mean, I don't think they're going to dramatically change things around, but if it does, um, are these some of the things that you, you accept as the way we'll go racing in future?
6: Well, I think basically they just need to keep looking at ways to make it more efficient and more cost-effective, get the same product for um, less expenditure through the category. And...
3: One of the things I heard today was, of course, higher dig on the tyres, get more, more degradation, you know, the, more strategies in play. Is that
6: something that you'd enjoy? I think you can have good races either way when there's low deg or whether there's high deg it's probably the ones where it's in between this is a little bit in between here um, where it gets a little bit boring because when there's no deg it allows strategies to go longer and so forth and when there's high deg it means small amounts of overlap make a big difference I think you can deal with a bit of both personally I'd I'd look
7: towards having different compounds in the same race that was good back in the day wasn't it yeah, right. That was really fun when you used to have a, you know, the soft tyre and the hard tyre, and you know, people start on the soft and blaze to the front, and then you catch them at the end of the race. And I think
4: you won a Darwin on that, didn't you? You got some bonsai tyres at the end? No. No? Maybe it's, I thought it
7: was you. No, nah, it wasn't me. <laughs> you would have done it if you could. I would have done it. Could have been Alex Davison, maybe? No, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway. Long time ago. Too long ago.
4: I've, I've got a... I'd like to see the tanks... You run about a quarter of the size tank everywhere but the endurance races so you've got to have four fuel stops in a in a short race even and just make you have to come down because you lose more time in pit lane and stuff up there than you do in any other aspect of the race because very rarely do you see a driver drive off the track by himself these days
6: i think my concern with having a smaller tank like that is you just end up losing control of what's actually happening in the race too many cars coming in and out and you wouldn't actually have any battles on track, everyone would just be waiting for the pit lane to do any passing Uh, The key is just working out a way to allow cars to pass more on track, I think that'll open up a lot of things It's getting harder
7: We can have fake racing like DRS (laughs) Oh no, Pensy's got that already
4: Ah You could have that thing on the track like they have in eSports in the Formula E where you get your Mario Kart thing
7: Yeah (laughs) speed zone okay well it
3: sounds like it's time to actually wrap up on a sunday night because we've all got homes to go to and uh, thank you to alice mcveen uh, chief race engineer and chief engineer at the Erebus uh, team just all-round on...
7: smart guy
3: all-round smart guy and dave reynolds who's all-round yep. driver all-round and... dumb
7: guy no no
3: yeah. no far <laughs> from it
7: all right thanks thank us. you so
3: much on inside supercars thank you it's certainly an interesting insight into their pair they obviously get on very well don't they uh craig
4: Yes, and that relationship has been critical to the development of both Erebus and David Reynolds as a racing driver.
3: Yeah, and they enjoy each other's company clearly as well. Um, and it's an interesting uh, uh, team because they, uh, they're certainly one that's you know not cut from a normal piece uh, of wood they uh, have a different way with someone like betty as their team leader and barry ryan doing an extremely good job in making that but speaking of uh, uh, supercars uh, after the break we're going to have dylan o'keefe who was very busy last weekend
4: after the break we'll hear dylan o'keefe talking about his time in super twos
5: each week join the inside motorsport team as they look at all the news from across australia and around the world
7: yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race as one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task.
0: Uh, we are able to beat the 2 to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do but, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family.
5: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones.
7: I'm from the Cool Drive Radio team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
3: Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Dylan O'Keefe, who was very busy last weekend, he won the uh, race on Saturday. He took pole position won the race in the Alpha driving a GRM
4: car and, of course, is uh, in Super 2. So you had a good chat to him the other day. It's a bit of a lull in the supercars for you, running with Gary Rogers Motorsport, but how did that package come together?
0: Yeah, so... Uh, after racing Porsche career a couple of the last three years here in Australia, I uh, weighed up the decision at the end of last year to uh, make the move into the Super Two series. As well. uh, obviously, Chris Pythe won the championship last year with Gary Rogers Motorsport, and was stepping out of the car. So um, that was definitely the right opening for me to go and race uh, race for Gary and drive in Super Two series for me to build up my career, and I'll also look forward into hopefully becoming a main game driver.
4: Your Career has been a, a solid step through most of the feeder categories. How have you built a motor racing plan, and where is that pinnacle? Is the pinnacle for you
0: supercars? Yeah, so I tried to pursue the overseas and the racing Porsches uh, overseas the last couple of years, and unfortunately, that didn't quite work out for me. So that made my um my thoughts very clear on wanting to become a main game supercars driver and uh, narrowed my focus towards that. So at the end of last year, we come up with a a good deal to race with Gary. And um, obviously Gary is known for bringing up young drivers and teaching them the the, uh, fundamentals of how to drive a supercar. So he's given lots of young drivers a a good chance. And I think if I do all the right things with him, he'll uh, hopefully give me the opportunity within the next couple of years to step up to that. And uh, I think I'm with the right people.
4: It's an interesting... It's an interesting sport and it's at a little bit of a crossroads, supercars racing in Australia. How do you see its future compared to, you know, the Porsche Pyramid and then, of course, other series that might be on the horizon with uh, things like Super 5000 and the like?
0: Yeah, I mean, for Australia's population, there's a lot of different categories. So uh, it'll be quite interesting over the next couple of years to see which way it goes. And there'll always be a... uh a number one category in Australia, whether that's supercars or not. So I'm not too phased about that. I mean, I just want to be racing the best category there is in Australia and hopefully making a living out of it. So, I mean, I've been watching supercars my whole life. So I hope the world I could be seen in that. And I think supercars will still be around for a long time uh, with all the huge Im- investment from all the teams. So I can't see that going to, uh, too soon. And also, uh, Gary's um, put a big investment in. TCR series as well as S5000. So um, as a whole, I think I'm with the, the right team, um, no matter what championship it is.
4: It's interesting to see how you've developed over the years, but is this the, the first time you've gone to a, a rear-engine, high-horsepower car? Because most of the other stuff I remember you driving has all been rear-wheel drive um, and rear-engine Porsches, and then open-wheelers before that?
0: Yeah, so obviously the supercar is a completely different beast to uh, anything else that we drive. Um, I've been used to the Porsches, which are obviously rear-engine and have a different characteristic to the supercar. But, I mean, the driving style in any race car is also quite similar, and you can adjust your technique uh, quite quickly for what car that is. And the supercar is just a lot more challenging because the setup uh, information... Is um, it has no end really? Like you can develop the cars uh, so much, and on a weekend, uh, the engineers have a, a massive challenge ahead of them to get the car set up correct because there well, is just so much adjustment. Whereas the Porsches are a bit more basic. There's only a certain window um, of stuff you can change, so that really simplifies it. And I, I mean, the Porsches are a great learning category and to show uh, the true talent of the drivers because at the end of the day, the the same. However, um, on supercars, I, I feel uh, team involvement is a, um, a lot more important because you have to have the knowledge of that, especially me being a, a young driver and not knowing too much about the car. I have to rely on the team at the moment before I get up to speed towards the end of the year. Um, so it's been quite interesting. And also, uh, yeah, just trying to, to learn as quickly as I can, I feel, what will separate me from the rest.
4: And... Realistically, Is it next year you'd like to be a co-driver or do you think it's actually going to be three years before you might get that nod?
0: Yeah, I think uh, hopefully next year I'd definitely aim to be uh, an endurance driver and be on the supercars grid in, in that instance and then hopefully a couple of years after that, not too soon in the main So I think that's the natural progression. This is just the just learn the tyres and the tracks um, and then next year really step up and try and have a good go at the championship. But got to say towards the end of the year, I hope we should be in that top five and having some good battles as well.
4: Well, Dylan, it's a pleasure to catch up with you and we look forward to seeing how you progress across this Super 2 Championship.
0: Thanks so much, Craig. Cheers.
4: All right, Craig. Uh, one of the things of delight at the weekend was catching up with a couple of people and they are
3: mar- far more relaxed race meetings uh, for everyone at a Shannon's. It's not like the, the pressure and the constant you know, push to be getting things happening. But I had a chance to talk to a man I've known for a long time, Roger Higgins, who runs Innovate V8, running the, uh, he looks after the Walkinshaw supercar engines, but more importantly, in recent times, he's been building the Super 5000 engine, and by crikey, he's done a great job with that. He spent 13 years over in Formula One, working with Elmore Engineering, fabulous uh, man, and great to talk to him, and he gives us the insight into that. And as well, Tim and Macro will give us his pre-forecast before he gets a taste of the new. 5,000 at Phillip Island and then after he's had that run so that's coming up after the break
5: Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au
6: Welcome to Inside Supercars, this is Ryan Storey from DJR Team Penske. Enjoy the show.
3: Welcome back to Inside Supercars. here with Roger Higgins at Phillip Island. Um, The uh, Super 5000, which he's responsible for, the engine, has just had its uh, second running down here. Roger, welcome to the sport, or to Inside Motorsport. Um, Tell us about this particular engine in this 5000.
1: Yeah, this engine we started working on about three years ago for Chris Lambden on the early part of the project. Um, We've evolved, we've gone from a generation one, two, and now we're on the Ford Racing um, very latest engine. Um, working closely with them on making sure we keep it reliable. Okay, now uh, these
3: come out of America?
1: They come out of America, then, then we pull bits apart, modify them, put our what we call race bits on them, and convert it so it works in a single seater.
3: Now, you've actually built the bits and parts of for a, a good number of engines?
1: Yeah, we've got quite a few supercar engines out there with our bits that we've designed and yep. manufactured.
3: But for the uh, 5,000, you've built something like 16
1: of them, is it? Yeah, we're currently in production of 16 engines. So most bits are produced. We're just waiting for the base engine and then um, start assembling them all.
3: Okay. Now, your business, Innovate, is based in Stapleton?
1: Yep, Stapleton, Queensland.
3: Okay. um, You spent some time overseas and came back to Australia in the early 2000s.
1: Yeah, 13 years in F1, working for Ilmore Engineering okay. on the McLaren projects.
3: They've done a few good things. Yeah. Yeah, just a few. Yeah. Um, now, with this new engine, you've uh, designed from the bottom up. We was just start at the bottom of these cars. What happens?
1: Yeah, because it's uh, the engine's actually part of the structure of the car, unlike a sort of touring car engine. So we have to carry the load of the chassis through the engine, so we have a... Uh, dry sump that's structural, and then right up to cam covers, that are also structural.
3: Okay, and all the points in between? Yeah. Okay, now so it's, a, it's an exclusively uh, designed uh, inlet system?
1: Yeah, in, we based this intake system on some work we did many years ago when we looked at the engine for um, V8 supercars. And we've continued to develop it, and there's been a redesign because, as the Coyote has evolved, parts have changed, and we've just adapted it. And so it's well, the intake system's well proven. We've got okay. road cars out there running it even. Oh
3: right, okay. Well, it's a 5.2 liter.
1: Yep. How oh, well,
3: you get about how much horsepower?
1: Uh, we're limiting it to 560. Right,
3: so that's for longevity, so?
1: Uh, it's for homologation with FIA. That's what they homologate the chassis with.
3: Right, OK. The, that's the amount of power that you're allowed to have? So nice. Yeah. OK. Very, very
1: wide torque band on it. It's, it's not a peaky thing. That, yes. It starts very low down and makes it, you know, a good drivable engine.
3: As part of the uh, category, were you uh, told as to it was going to have young drivers, old drivers or just, uh, you know, a mixture of sort of thing?
1: Ah, uh, mixture really. There uh, was that's... no no one defining exactly who was going to drive it. it yep. When we were first approached, we, we looked at a variety of different engines for installation but they, they wanted something that was capable of revving to 8,000 um, to get the sound and that sort of ruled out most bushrod engines based on how expensive they are to build to, to run that fast.
3: Yep, okay. Now you've been working with Tim Macro who's been the driver of, of all the different models of 5000s.
1: Um,
3: he gives you good feedback on it?
1: Yeah, he's great, young steerer.
3: Okay, and, but the, the feedback he gives you about it, what does he tell you about the engine driving it?
1: Oh, he can tell the difference between the, the specs we've given him and even when we change the tune, so yeah, it's, it's all good. Okay,
3: all right. Have you noticed anything at all about sort of uh, the sound of it? I mean, do you know people talking about it?
1: Yeah, but there's, yeah, there's two ways you can make a V8 sound. This, to me, is a bit motorboatish, but that's what people want at the moment. I, I like the higher-pitched sound, and that would be my choice. But. Yeah,
3: All right, well, certainly a terrific to hear. We look forward to seeing more than one of these cars on the track. I'm sure you do as well.
1: Absolutely. (laughs)
3: Realising that every one of those engines will be yours. How many people work in your organisation?
1: There's three of us total.
3: Okay, so you do a lot of machining.
1: Yeah, we've got in-house machining, in-house design, and then assembly and and dyno testing.
3: Okay, what other categories do you do work
1: for? Uh, We maintain all the F4 engines. Uh, We do design development for the Walkinshaw um, supercar engines. Yep. And then a few road projects.
3: Okay. All right, well, thanks from Roger Higgins of Innovate for giving us an idea on uh, the Super 5000. We look forward to seeing that racing later this year, I think September.
1: That's the plan, Tony.
3: Wonderful, thank you. Thanks. I'm here in the garage of the Super 5000 with Tim Macro,
2: the accredited driver of this here beast. (laughs) So tell me, are you looking forward to getting out on this trek? Absolutely. We can't wait. Like, I haven't driven, well, the different iterations of it, here for here for a good couple of years and yep. it was a lot of fun so okay. i'm looking forward to getting out there to be honest
3: now you've done a lot of laps here both formula Ford and formula threes yep um the old car um how did that compare when you were at different tracks with that car to this one
2: look it's a i think this car is probably going to have a little bit less downforce again which is a good thing yep good for racing and that's what we're trying to achieve so yes. it'll be interesting to see what that time it does here the old car was pretty quick here
3: do you remember a time here? Well,
2: I reckon we were pretty... We were just under the lap record, I reckon, last time here. Which was a one. Twenty four one twenty-four-one, twenty-four-one.
3: Yeah, yeah right, so okay. I think
2: we were there. This car's probably got a little bit less downforce, so it's got to be interesting to see what, what happens time-wise.
3: You've gone up in brake size and wheel size at the front. Uh-huh. So that's going to make a difference.
2: Absolutely. It give you
3: a bit of feel probably going into turn one. Yeah,
2: it should do. Like, And the brake package is a lot better than the old car, so there is... You know, there might be a bit less downforce, but there's some other stuff that's better with this car as well. It's a bit more refined. So
3: tell me about your time out on Phillip Island track in this beautiful car.
2: <laughs> well, it's a beautiful circuit as well, but um, the car's fantastic. Like, it's fast, it's very fast, and we're still developing it. So we're, we're doing it in public, which is always interesting, but the car's getting there, so we're slowly tuning it up and mucking around with a few little aero bits and uh, suspension and stuff like that and um, just working through a little bit of a program.
3: Now, the last time you drove the car was at Easton Creek. Easton Creek, yep. But you had the new wheel and tyre package on there and brakes there. Yes. Um, you hadn't been here back in the 5000 for maybe a long time.
2: Yeah, probably 18 months yeah, until okay. we, since we drove the so original car.
3: the new wheel and tyre package does make a, a real difference?
2: Yeah, it, it, it did. And we back to back them at Winton. Um, earlier in the year, and it definitely made a lot of difference. Um, you know, obviously we can get a different set of brakes under the front because it's a it's a bigger front wheel, and that was the whole thing, and it was a cost thing as well because yep. the the original brakes on the smaller rim. make get a production yeah, brake, not a exactly. Yep. You couldn't get it off the shelf, so mm-hmm. that's part of the reason there. And I think aesthetically, it looks a bit better as well. Um, but look, the the car it it still feels like the original car to be fair, and. You know, we've still got a lot of room to make it better and um, you know, we've still got a lot of you know, sort of fine tuning and development to do to be honest. What's the tire on now? What is so it? We're on a Hoosier now. Okay. We we're originally on the G T tire from China. Yep. Um, so we found a, a fair improvement in tire quality, to be honest. What's this tire used for elsewhere? Uh, this is a specially built tyre oh, okay. for, for the car, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, yeah, specially designed for the, for the actual 5,000.
3: Okay, and the good man, Max Dumsey, is uh, the absolutely. one Absolutely, right?
2: Yeah, and he uh, designed and they built the rims as well. Okay. So it's a totally sort of, um, you know, we're trying to keep the car as Aussie as we can. And apart from, you know, the tub, and most of the bolt-on bits are Australian, and that's another thing. Okay. it mm. uh, was part of the deal, Max gets to drive it because he. Uh... I don't know. He hasn't asked yet. He hasn't asked? <laughs> oh,
3: okay. I'm
2: sure he will at some point.
3: Um, have you ever been in a sprint car?
2: No, and that's a bucket list thing for me, actually. So okay. maybe we can do a swap. That'd I'm be sure that you could come yeah. to an that arrangement. Yeah, That'd be yeah. cool.
3: But I don't think there'd be dirt involved from this car. Nah, definitely no, definitely not. That's not what you want. No, <laughs> no, indeed. Okay, so the program now for you is—is is there another track involved in the testing?
2: I, I think uh, we might go do some more demo stuff at the next TCR round at the Bend. Yep. But we want to. Oh, co- gee,
3: that's a track. Yeah, yeah. So
2: I think maybe we'll do that. Um, that's still to be confirmed. But we want to try and come back here and, and do some more testing here because it's always such a good circuit to test here and I muck around with some Aero bits and pieces and uh, and some suspension stuff. So we've we've done a little bit of Winton. We've done a, about a hundred laps of Winton. So we just want to come back here on some faster corners and just um, just have a bit of a play. Okay.
3: Now, uh, Chris Lambden is the titular head mm-hmm. of the program. Yep. Roger Higgins is your engine man. He is. Stephen
2: Millard is the uh, race engineer, yeah, yeah. team
3: manager of this program. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
2: are those the main f- three people involved? Yep. And we've got we've got Luke in there as well, who's um, been re- really instrumental. He originally. Um, worked for Mike Borland when, mm-hmm. when, we were, when we sort of did the first iteration of the car, yep. uh, when Mike was heavily involved. And he's done a lot of the design bits and pieces as well. And there's some some guys in the background as well with GRM who've helped with the design of some of the uh, uprights and so on and so okay. forth as well.
3: Well, Tim, we certainly look forward to seeing you on the grid with more than one car.
2: Yep, definitely. And, and
3: <laughs> not you having to drive more than one, <laughs> but you having yours and other people around you. you That'd know? be good. Look forward to that. So that's Tim Macro. In the Super 5000 at Phillip Island. Thank you. This week's uh, show, while it features a lot of supercar talk, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of interest around TCR. Craig, it was terrific to have been there on the Friday and Saturday to meet the head of world uh, touring TCR. Uh, an interesting man in Marcello Lotto. We'll have him in a uh, recent uh, coming up um, inside Motorsport. Um, but one of the things reflecting on that is... Uh,
4: Supercars and TCR. What What's your opinion on the, what should happen there? My opinion is that they're making a, uh, a they're making a headline act for themselves at the Shannon's Nationals. All that would come about by putting supercars into uh, sorry putting TCR into the supercars would be to have a direct comparison against two series and two touring car uh, styles of car, which are chalk and cheese. And in an Australian um, macho car culture, you know which one's going to win out. So the only reason, in my opinion, supercars would be saying we'll have them on board, is to try and wedge, uh, wedge you know sponsorship wedge, um, other competing interests into seeing that they're nothing. They're like us, and. You know tcr is nothing like supercars there's good reasons and there's difference uh, different potential following between the two brands now if supercars wanted to go after the smaller car market they've had ample opportunity they've focused in heavily on developing three levels of v8s they're now trying to Uh, re-establish ute racing which is a a different market and brand and and the biggest car market in the country if they wanted to go four-cylinder racing they could have done a platform uh, many years ago even if they went six-cylinder racing they could have done that many years ago so i don't know i'm reading the tea leaves and thinking that tcr should stay well away from supercars
3: Indeed, I tend to concur with you because certainly TCR, they have their own unique format. Um, Certainly uh, it works well for them running on the Shannons, and and there's obviously a lot of uh, symmetry and uh, continuity running across GTs from people like... Melbourne Performance Cars doing the Audis and GTs and obviously TCR. So There's an enormous number of things are happening, but, look, the one thing that, that, that I suppose people should draw away from it is it's more strong motor racing in Australia, and that's certainly something we can do with, and it was terrific to go there, and I look forward to going to other events in the year, as I'm sure you will as well, Craig, and until next week when we look at uh, what's happened in the Northern Territory of Australia during Supercars Round at Hidden Valley. Thank you from me, and good night from him.
5: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.